Hey there, welcome to episode 38 of the Let's Innovate for Vegas audio program. Coming to you on October, nope, November 10th, 2023. It is Friday. You're bound to get the month wrong sometimes. <laughs> Nobody writes checks anymore, but uh, we're coming up on that year change. Today we're going to be talking, uh, it's another solo episode, of course. I'm Dan Hugo, your managing director of a local civic volunteer organization, the Let's Innovate for Vegas Foundation. Today we're going to be talking about field failure analysis. That is when you take a look at what you have deployed, especially if they come back as returns, and you see what went wrong. So it's always, uh, sometimes people will call it a post-mortem. Sometimes people will just call it a retrospective or an introspective. Uh, field failure analysis, especially if you are selling a hardware product, if you're an engineering or a, a tech company. But it could also be if you are uh, selling artwork that breaks, if you're selling food that spoils easily, right? You get it back and you say, what's going on here? And it gives you a chance to look at where you can improve or where you can address specific issues and so on. So let's do that for an example, which just wrapped up for our part, the NASA 2023 NASA International Space Apps Challenge. And our local Las Vegas event, what worked, what did not. Uh, these will, of course, be subjective opinions, mostly mine. Uh, I have participated as a mentor or co-organizer, or sometimes both, in uh, while I was working with the Intel Corporation in the Maker Innovator Group, which I think got renamed like retconned, but... Uh, whatever. The, our, our group was focused on maker products and uh, hackathons and so on. So 47 hackathons of uh, traveling all over the place, spending sleepless weekends, working with brilliant people on their ideas and so on. Uh, participation in a reality show called uh, America's Greatest Makers, which you did not see. <laughs> it was on the TBS network. It was produced by Intel and Mark Burnett of Survivor and other reality show fame. And, uh, and other experiences. So there were many opportunities to, for myself to kind of gain some perspective on large and small scale hackathon and innovation sprint participation. So when I first signed up to be the local lead for Las Vegas, I had that in mind. Uh, I will say right up front, this is absolutely not, I, I do want to, well, let's, let's say I appreciate and I not in any way denigrating the people who participated <clears throat> in our Las Vegas event or anywhere at any of the local events anywhere in the world. And for the most part, the, uh, the people on the NASA side who were, I, I assume, uh, some NASA employees, but they do, being a government <laughs> agency, they do outsource. So there were people at some other companies that were charged with uh, executing the International Space Apps Challenge. So some people like Caitlin were above and beyond the call of duty at every turn. Uh, the people that constructed the challenges did a fine job. Um, you know, things like that. So this is not like individuals uh, going wrong, in my opinion, right? And so uh, individuals did great, worked with what there was. Uh, when you have many people spread across time zones, geographical regions, cultures, languages, the challenges multiply. And so that is really 
<clears throat> almost certainly the root cause of what I think are the things that went wrong. But I think it's also critical to take a look at those things and see, especially freshly, right? Uh, as some of you may know, I'm driving uh, the Downtown Project Retrospective as part of a Cafe Genius uh, effort. You can listen to the Cafe Genius Impresarios audio program for more information about that. I'll, uh, I'll stick links in the show notes for this episode uh, to, let me, let me update my notes, in fact, make sure. So I'll stick um, some links for the NASA, NASA website for spaceappschallenge.org has a locations page, which, uh, which shows all of the local events and it will give you some idea of the scope and grandeur. Okay. Sorry. And, um, uh, the scope and grandeur of the event, which was global, uh, some 50,000 plus people signed up and we'll get to that in a second. But, uh, yeah, so the huge event, a lot to learn. I think it's critical to learn. I believe the first event was in 2012. So this is the, I don't know if they, I believe they had a completely virtual event for the 2020 year. They're typically held in October from what I understand, uh, 2012 to now. So you can say, um, coming up on 12 years, 11 years for this year, but <clears throat> I don't know if the first year, so 10, 12 years, so we're in there. So it's, it's not the first year they did this. So that's the important part. So each year is an opportunity to improve for the following year. Uh, they did have a survey at the end for local leads. I assume they sent out a survey as well to the participants. Um, I actually signed up as a participant just to make sure I had that view uh, for as far as emails and other communications. So I, I believe they did send out something about a, you know, impressions, etc. So let's get started. Um, so the International Space Apps Challenge is the largest hackathon in the world. Uh, I, I don't know what the total number of countries were. There's an infographic that NASA will publish eventually if they have not already for this year. But each year there's uh, the rundown. So number of signups, number of projects, number of countries, the top five participating countries, India has been number one, which is probably to be expected. Uh, I was impressed that Cairo had a huge turnout. It was not the largest turnout, but they had a uh, hackathon boot camp the same weekend we did. Uh, I believe four people showed up to ours and 1,200 people showed up in person to theirs. So kudos to Egypt. And um, uh, side note, the in the NASA Slack and I'll get to the use of Slack for something like this. Uh, in the NASA Slack, the people that were managing the Egypt or the Cairo event in Egypt, somebody said, how do you, how do you do this many people? And again, not even the largest event, but they did have 1,200 people show up in person. There were photos of you know, lecture halls, t double, two-tier two uh, lecture halls, full, just insane. And they said, uh, which impressed me quite a bit, uh, we have a, a crew of 80 volunteers, 80 80, 80, 80 volunteers that help with outreach, coordination, marketing, um, getting things like t-shirts and food and other resources, et cetera, et cetera. So <clears throat> yeah, that's what thousands of years of innovation culture brings you uh, good turnout. So while NASA brands the event and they do have oversight over the challenges and the prizes and the process and the marketing at that national level or global 
uh, NASA being a, a government agency of the United States. It's basically, you know, based here. They have the, the, the name and the branding, the logos, they have control over that. But they do defer responsibility for the local events to the local leads. So that was me this time. And any collaborators that want to take part. Collaborators being sponsors, donors, um, other helpers, right? Um, I personally view this not as the gold standard, but certainly an indicator of the state of affairs of the culture of innovation, a particular locality. The events were based on locality, although they could be virtual, in-person, virtual, or both, hybrid. So the Las Vegas event was open to participation from anywhere. <clears throat> we mostly had people from Vegas, but uh, some places were purely virtual. But either way, you know, the Silicon Valley event, which was uh, based in Mountain View, California, had collaborators like NASA Ames, <clears throat> had um, help from the local chambers of commerce to help get the word out. So they, they were mentioning the upcoming hackathon on their chamber of commerce websites. So there was a general awareness. So it takes a village as the saying goes. So I think in places with an innovation culture, you're going to see events like this. So this, this is an example, but it's a good indicator because it happens in so many places you can compare. In fact, that's a survey I would like to, to perform. <clears throat> so can you take a look at a particular locality and you say, oh, there was a International Space Apps Challenge event here. How did that go? Uh, it is not the answer, but it is certainly a few data points on, uh, on a, current, a state of affairs. The strength, the, the uh, vitality of a particular innovation culture in a particular locality, I think, uh, can be deduced in some ways. So that's, I think that's why this event was important, and it is important in general. There was substantial participation from places, as you might expect, like I said, and there were some places where you would think, uh, huh, I'm sort of surprised. Like Cairo, uh, uh, not to denigrate them in the slightest, uh, Cairo's turnout was amazing, <laughs> really. Uh, and I, like I said, I think it's really, it takes a village. So it's a support organization. It's buy-in, so to speak, from probably local and national government an understanding that a culture of innovation is important for the future. And so you encourage, uh, especially young people, which is something I've said many times, you encourage young people to start now so that your population is at least somewhat tech savvy, but also uh, the nice thing about the Inter International Space Apps Challenge, not a tech only, certainly tech leaning, but they do a pretty decent job of marketing to everyone to make it clear that the challenges are not necessarily all tech. Some of them enable, uh, you know, part, part of a solution that could be submitted, or in fact, the entire solution could be a presentation. It could be an infographic. It could be animations. They had stuff for VR, which is at this point, a largely a creative work. There's some coding, but, or maybe no coding. If you're into, constructing worlds in VR, then you have a better sense of that than I do. Uh, but yeah, some of these things were leaning heavily towards a visual or uh, data presentation experience and not necessarily coding, right? So it's important that people are savvy and the sooner you start on that, the better. So I think in that regard, the ISAC, as I call it, everything is an acronym. So the ISAC is, a, is an important thing 
it's something to focus on, to emphasize in a particular locality so that um, young people and the event is open to people. The event is open to people of all ages, which is nice. Uh, some hackathons are geared more towards professionals or towards older, older kids. <laughs> so there was no lower, there's no practical lower limit. If you wanted to get technical about COPA, then 13 was probably the age under which you could not allow people to sign up for things on websites, but there was a parental permission scheme and all that. So all things considered, that was done okay. It's a hard problem. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm merely saying that it was probably cumbersome, but it's something you have to be aware of. And so kudos for that. Anyway, let's look at what worked here in Vegas. So we had a Vegas event. We did not have an event since 2021, which is not long ago. Uh, I had reached out to the person that was the local lead previously, never heard back from her, her or them. I think it was one lead and probably some helpers. We had two judges. Uh, thank you for Alex and Fabian, uh, Fabian at JPL in California. <clears throat> Alex is a local comedian, but before you start laughing too much, he also is a Caltech mathematics major and has traveled the world telling people about agile and, uh, innovation. And he uses his comedic stylings to make those presentations in addition to being a stand-up comedian. Uh, the plan was to have a, a stand-up comedian during our in-person component of our event and to stream that to the world. Uh, Alex, uh, probably from laughing too much, ended up with a small medical condition that precluded his in-person participation, but we also had nobody signed up to participate in person. We didn't have sufficient uh, sign-ups. So we were going to stream it, but then it became difficult for Alex to complete that uh, effort. So given our low, low, low participation numbers, uh, we figured we'll, we'll call it for this year. Maybe, maybe next time. So some things were possible that would have been kind of fun. Um, that certainly, you know, you, you cannot predict the future when it comes to medical circumstances. Alex ended up being fine. He's fine today. So that's good. Um, it would have been interesting and it might yet be, but we'll see. <clears throat> we have, a. Uh, Always, in everything we do, had support from Don Jacobson from the city of Las Vegas. Uh, we had available to us at pretty much most, if not all of the times we may have needed it, the International Innovation Center, downtown Las Vegas, which Don manages, among other things. So he's always been a, uh, a supporter of the Code for Vegas and now the Innovate for Vegas Foundation efforts. So thank you to Don. People like Don. If we compare Don, Don certainly does the work of 80 people. Um, so Don could probably help out in Cairo, double their workforce of volunteers. Uh, but yeah, people like Don enable things like this to happen here in the Vegas area. And so you should uh, tip your hat if you got one, Don Jacobson. Now, what did not work in Las Vegas? <sighs> well, we did not have any real, aside from Don Jacobson, Don does not listen to podcasts, so I know he's not listening. But if you are listening, you can tell him his name came up 45 times in this episode. Uh, so Don Jacobson, unfortunately, is an outlier. The, the outreach to city, county, and I'll say state 
but uh, I really reached out to Washoe County. But our effort <clears throat> was going to be because we were the only uh, local event for the state of Nevada. Uh, I tried to reach out to Washoe County, so Reno, Carson City, anywhere else. Um, you know, how do we engage with people who might be interested? How do we get the word out? Not even, and this was true, city, county, state. <clears throat> Not really much of a response. Maybe one or two words thank you or okay, <laughs> but no one really understood it. I believe if we were building a stadium or paving roads for a race or committing crimes, we would have gotten more attention. This is merely uh, the future of innovation for, you know, greater Vegas, state of Nevada. So no real interest. And um, even reached out to some local makerspace folks that work for the city, um, some local potential sponsors, which I'll get to in a second, um, really just no interest. So it takes a village and we are not there yet. Uh, I did reach out to specific potential sponsors. So in the NASA lingo, it's collaborators, which is, I mean, that's sort of a generic term, but <clears throat> so in this case, looking for sponsorship. So our funding requirements were probably small depending on turnout, which I'll get to in a second also. So I reached out to the Las Vegas spaceport, to Bigelow Aerospace, to Area 15, a variety of others. Uh, mostly apathy, mostly, uh, and I made it clear, I'm really, the number one thing I'm asking for is some sort of uh, name drop. <laughs> you know, if, if the Las Vegas spaceport could, and because they were getting some press at the time, back in the, the summer of 2023, uh, they added an astronaut to their board of directors, so the Review Journal, a, <laughs> a fine local media resource for such things, was covering them. So I spoke to their CEO briefly, a very odd exchange, which I wish I had recorded. Very clear that there was zero interest in participating in any way in something as mundane as the, um, the future of the innovation culture here. Uh, Bigelow Aerospace has a very beautiful website, and uh, I guess if we were doing a Skinwalker Ranch video series, may have been interesting, but nope, not even close to interested. Uh, Area 15 got the runaround, eventually crickets, and that was the general tenor. And these are these are companies that you would think would have like, uh, oh NASA, it'd be nice to have our name next to that with uh, you know some. Our sponsorship needs were were minimal, and uh, without sponsors, we couldn't get things like T-shirts and stickers. Uh, there was really little hope for having food or drinks if we had the in-person component, which we ended up not having. Uh, there was no support whatsoever from local media. I did reach out to Review Journal specifically because they were doing coverage of the spaceport, and I said, "Hey, by the way," uh, emailed two reporters there, one who have, I, I've had other conversations with. I was told that it would be interesting maybe to cover day of, which that didn't happen either. Uh, certainly no local media would be the slightest bit interested in publishing things, uh, details like participation and the fact that one of the teams, LB Champs, has uh, been was submitted for global judging. So they're in the running for you know, the next tier of competitive prizes and so on. So no interest in covering that. Uh, again, if we were building a stadium, we would get some attention, but otherwise, no. Uh, there is a problem with our innovation culture here because while it should be interesting, 
even a little bit in, in the context of this uh, economic diversification effort to bring innovation, an innovation hub, an innovation district for Clark County and so on. If these things are going to flourish here, then we must elevate and celebrate the people that are doing things. So it was a little bit disappointing that there was simply no interest. Um, that's going to have to change. And we do have a project on deck, Challengers, challengers.vegas. Uh, if people participate in things like the International Space Apps Challenge, or maybe Hacktoberfest, or maybe the Congressional Apps Challenge, or maybe other hackathons or other, um, these are one-shot challenges. These are things like, um, you know, hey, build a thing that does a thing and have it by November 1st at midnight or have it done over this weekend or whatever. So there are a variety of these things that are not ongoing projects, but they're one-shot with usually with prizes of some sort. So a place to re celebrate, recognize, elevate, connect, right? Uh, a person who's interested in participating in one challenge might be interested in another. It was tremendously difficult without the help of the city, county, state, local businesses, and local media to engage with potential participants. Uh, now, what we did have was uh, some support initially from the administration teachers and students at the Clark County School District. So announcements were made. We did have an informational meetup where we had like a dozen people, a couple of teachers, a couple of students, um, the people in the administration. One or two of them were reasonably interested at first, but unfortunately we had a teacher strike to contend with. Uh, and who knows what else. And even the people who expressed an interest didn't really show up. Uh, I mentioned that we had 12 participants and I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to name anybody partially because they didn't opt in and I don't want to name people just for participating if they don't want to be. But more importantly, some of them are under 18. So they're minor students. So I'm not going to name them either. But, uh, the LV champs team, for example, is, uh, two students. So LV champs, congratulations on moving up to the, the next tier for the NASA global event. If you want to find out who they are, you can. Um, I will not be naming people here only out of respect, not for any other reason. 12 people who did participate. Great. That's how these things work. We did have 30 people signed up though. So earlier I said 50,000 plus people registered for the global event around the world. That does not mean 50,000 people participated. So that's a little bit of marketing on the NASA side. Uh, so yes, we had 30 people sign up. We had 12 actually participate and we had four projects submitted and four teams submitted projects, right? So um, teams of uh, six, which was the maximum size, uh, two, which was LB champs, and then two teams of one. So LB champs uh, advanced to the, to the next round. So prizes, potential fame and fortune, who knows? Uh, so good luck for them. Well, they will know at the beginning of January, 2024, I believe if uh, memory serves that the judging for this, this next round is going to be completed during the, the week ending the 17th. So next week, as I'm recording this, today's the 10th of November. So, so we didn't have any real support locally. We did not, we did not have a culture of innovation so that we don't have a sort of ready pool of people that are interested enough to share with their friends, 
to form teams. It was, I think it was very difficult to form teams. Um, it was very difficult to get participants. I was really hoping for a hundred people to participate at a, at an in-person event. Uh, we had the innovation center. Thank you, Don. Again, is that 44 times, uh, Don Jacobson, even, even though I canceled for the main event, October 7th and 8th, he said, well, I'll keep it available just in case. So Don Jacobson, there you go. 45 times, uh, having people show up though, is what makes an event happen. So the 12 people who did show up my, my thanks, although it wasn't for me, it was for you and for the culture at large. So I will, I will extend my gratitude, but really the gratitude should come from all these people who don't seem to, uh, pay attention to these things. If in the future there's an event like this, pretty much have to start promoting it now. So people have any idea. And then we have to have people show up for things, but that's uh, we'll get to that at the, the wrap up. So yeah, the, the number one problem in the, with the Las Vegas event was just awareness and follow through. These are identified problems. Uh, I have talked about these things on our cafe genius impresarios audio program, which I also host. So it's something we just have to get through and make work. And this is one of the goals of our smart social. And then the rapper, my muni projects is to have local media that works. So getting the word out like, Hey, there's a global hackathon coming up. <laughs> if you are interested, don't rely on the school system to speak to students, uh, enable everyone to not only discover the event, but also know what it is, why it is, what will come of it, i.e. our innovation culture will continue to flourish if we know about and participate in these things. But also uh, the fact that people that are allegedly involved, and you know, I'm in, uh, I didn't even mention our other school system, the college system here, Really no interest in supporting this sort of thing. I tried also with, uh, if you happen to have heard our episode with Dr. Kitty Young from, um, well, now she works at a different place, which is escaping me. She was driving a wearable hackathon, which was also global. And I had a notion for a cooling garment, this being the desert. Uh, she's creating, uh, or she was, she was driving this. So she creates things, but also uh, an integration of some flexible solar energy capture hardware that could be integrated into wearable garments. Uh, she was working with Hackster on this global hackathon. There were multiple categories and so on. So I reached out to UNLV then and really got absolute shoulder shrug and uh, nothing. It was uh, a no-op if you're a, <laughs> if you know what that is. No, a, a, no operation, nothing, nothing going on. Uh, similar here. So um, there's a group of students who have a satellite company. You would think they'd be interested in space, but reaching them was impossible. Um, I, I could go on and on. So so we just we have uh, an insular set of many communities or, and smaller you know, sub-communities, groups, etc. Talking, communicating, sharing information, the, um, the impetus to share, to help get the word out, sort of a you know, oh, I could tell my friends, but I choose not to because no reason. <laughs> so these are these are hurdles to get over. So I believe we could have reached a hundred people participating with the proper engagement channels and energy to drive them. And so that's something we will have to address over the next year. By the way, um, 
we there is no plan for the Innovate for Vegas Foundation to facilitate the 2024 International Space App Challenge directly, although we'll certainly provide our support, which will be a new thing here. <laughs> so whoever does choose to organize that, if someone does, we will certainly try to help out. What did not work on the NASA side, though? That, that's also important to consider. And the NASA side, uh, obviously, no control. That's completely their infrastructure, their organizational efforts and tools and methods and people and so on. So I'll keep this light. And again, not this is not an attack on individuals. I think it's just um, when you have many people in different organizational um, blocks, separate companies, separate separate groups within companies. Uh, NASA itself is a huge organization, a lot of moving parts. <clears throat> I don't know that a global hackathon is on their their main agenda. You know, spaceappchallenge.org is, is a NASA thing, but it's not, you know, it's not on the nasa.gov website. It's not spaceappchallenge.nasa.gov, right? So arm's length, perhaps. I don't know. Uh, first thing, right off the bat, I will say for the world to hear, using Slack for something like this was a ginormous problem. Uh, multiple cultures, multiple languages, multiple time zones, multiple um, notions, like uh, the view of a, of a project <clears throat> will vary over time as more information becomes available, but because of these various uh, geographical, cultural, language, time zone you know, variations, the distance between individuals and where they were on a particular timeline varied greatly, which means uh, without, I'll call it discipline and or curation in the use of Slack, uh, for example, the same questions over and over every day, uh, spread across multiple channels. Uh, the discipline part would come from saying the questions about this go here. So there was a local lead channel, which was a catch-all, and then there was a U.S. lead channel, which I, no real reason for that. And then there was no channel for website issues, and there were plenty of website issues. So people would just start pelting all of the channels with their problems with the website. <clears throat> they would, they would, uh, <clears throat> man, pardon me, my voice is going nuts. They would, uh, you know, hey, this thing on the website's not working. And then 25 people would have the same problems. They would just keep posting similar things, similar statements, similar questions. They would tag the two sort of overall program managers, Bridget and Caitlin. And then Bridget, yeah, Bridget. I was almost going to say Brittany, Bridget. So just keep tagging the same people with the same questions from different places in the world over and over. Didn't matter if the question was answered because if you are a Slack or Discord user, you know, you're not going to go through and read the last five days of repetitive statements, you're just going to insert yours into the stream and you know, whatever. So every day, same questions, not really worth going to the Slack for anything. So that's the discipline part. People are just spraying Slack with their questions over and over without really checking to see if anyone else had asked the same question and received an answer. And then the curation part comes from the notion that Slack, and this applies to anything, so this is just not a NASA problem. This is a complete and total misuse of Slack. Slack or Discord or similar. If you're a Mattermore or a Discourse or most forum tools that enable freeform discussion, and this is even true on GitHub. Uh, for example, GitHub has discussions that you can attach to a project repository. So ongoing discussions 
are wonderful. That's how you tease out ideas and possible solutions. However, those should be coalesced into some sort of solution finality, some summary, uh, some sort of action. <laughs> if you are discussing something on GitHub, for example, about a bug or about a potential feature or about anything, any aspect of a particular project component, the discussion is not the work. The, solution, the discussion is not the solution. It is the discussion. So from that should come some action, some issue, a pull request, or whatever, right? So there, <clears throat> there's a logical next step. So in the case of this, if, if every day for a week people are having the same issue with the website with uh, some, some local event page editing feature or login problem or et cetera, et cetera, as the problem is discovered... You know, that first day when people are starting to have the problem, identify it as a problem and make that an open issue, right? And then make sure people check open issues before they start submitting questions. Now, obviously, the ability to create an issue natively rather than submitting statements to Slack would have been maybe even better. I, I certainly suggested it. So... Whenever you're working with a large group of people who are not necessarily full-time focused on an endeavor, enabling them to submit their concerns, questions, problems, complaints is completely appropriate, but you cannot simply have a fire hose of the same question or repeated similar questions or new questions intermixed with old, et cetera, et cetera. So it becomes a chore just to catch up. And I can't even imagine being on the 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 administrative, you know, the oversight side where uh, Bridget and Caitlin were and others fielding these things daily, I'm sure was a, a, a task. So Slack is suitable for discussion, information sharing perhaps, but really you gotta, you gotta have like coalescing to final answer, um, open issue that can be tracked and then observed when it is closed and then opened again if the problem reappears, if there's a regression, as we call it. So so I would say my number one take-home, and I've known this for many years, number one take-home, if you have a project of any size whatsoever, uh, discussion platforms like Discord and Slack and others, those are, you know, Slack is a, a Salesforce tool. Uh, maybe Microsoft Teams, I've never really used it, but probably similar if you are relying on discussion to store knowledge, you are pushing the task of uh, knowledge sharing to the people and you're relying on these tools to do something they are not intended to do. So uh, I'm sure you can summarize a Slack discussion with the magic of AI and come up with an answer, which, you know, that's one way of doing it. But really, let's be honest, if you have a, a slack thread or channel discord channel so you know whatever if you have these things with you know 10 100 200 400 i think there were 400 plus people on the nasa slack for this year if these people are all chiming in with different things you know you don't have one channel with one topic that you can appropriately gather information right so if you can actually tease out the answer to an ongoing discussion question you know, responses with more information or errant information. If you can actually distill that down to here is the problem, here is the state of the solution, 
here's the solution. It worked. Okay. Those are what issue platforms are for. Jira, uh, GitHub issues even, etc. So that, yeah, that's my number one thing. Any project that relies on discussion without curation and disciplined use and coalescing of the discussions to actual usable uh, solutions or actions, you're just adding to the noise. And with a volunteer pool, like all the local leads were volunteers, myself, the others. So you're asking volunteers to spend extra time trying to figure out what's going on. And I believe that's where things start breaking down. So uh, the management of the project and the different parts I mentioned, you know, there was, there was a, the companies are mentioned at the bottom of the website. So uh, I'll link to the top, the spaceappschallenge.org in the show notes. You can scroll to the bottom and see the, you know, booze Allen and so on. So there was a website company in Chicago. There was the company that was managing the, the local lead engagement. There was the challenge authors, the people that were working on the, the parts behind it, behind the, the, the this year's event. Uh, so they had 30 challenges plus a wild card. So 31 total challenges. Those had to be sort of created and developed into a presentable, uh, achievable form. So that's actual work. And then there were people that were in charge of the DEI policies and um, privacy and working with minors. And you know, so there, there are a lot of moving parts. And I believe that one of the issues was a, a disconnect between those different organizations and the local lead population. All of it flowed through the Slack and through a limited number of people. So, for example, the website had issues daily and weekly, but there was no issue tracking scheme. So this goes back to the Slack problem in general. But if there's a website issue and we're communicating through, uh, I will use the term bottleneck in its technical form. So you're all, all concerns pass through one or two people. So they are the bottleneck. And architecturally, that's interesting because it allows you one point of, you know, uh, acceleration or optimization, right? You could say, oh, these two people need to have a tool in place to automate or some sort of a tool to manage this flow of information, like an issue tracker, like Jira or Google, sorry, like, uh, like GitHub issues. So without those, like I said, you get this repeated problems, but also you have a disconnect between the problem and what would make it work better. So as a local lead, there were issues that would come up and I actually managed to get invited to a meeting, a one-on-one with a third person. So it was one-on-one-on-one. It wasn't two-on-one with the web lead. And we talked about some things and this was too early in the project. And I think I had said after the fact that if I knew, if I had encountered some of the other things that had come up, I would have hoped for that meeting like two weeks later to point out some glaring issues. Um, these are just user experience workflow. What if, if this doesn't work, then how is that going to work? These sorts of things. And you know, they, their implementation is their implementations, but I was certainly pointing out from a user perspective and having gone through so many hackathons before, uh, you know, what are people going to expect on the date of, you know, it's coming down to the end of the hackathon. Is the website going to function? Is there going to be a problem? What, what if, and of course, this is predictable on the, on the night of, as the 11.59 approached in each time zone, there was a flurry of issues. This didn't work. What's this doing? What's this telling me? What does this mean? You know, so 
connecting people so that everybody was on the same page for more of the time. The, there was certainly uh, the signups for the public were at the end of July. I want to say the 28th, but it was somewhere at the end of July of 2023 um, for an event that would be taking place October 7th and 8th. So that was a, a good window of time that the event was uh, visible to potential participants. So the local leads were participating for, uh, I believe it was in May and June, June and July, June, somewhere in there. So we had weeks. Uh, they had a, an onboarding for first-time local leads like myself. There were the returning local leads that could join in later. I don't know if that was wise. I think, um, I think the engagement between new local leads and experienced local leads would be valuable to kick off immediately. So not separate them into groups. I also think weekly calls were of limited utility. There, um, it, it, it trickles out information that should be available in a central location. The, the information should be coalesced into usable, searchable form, not left in Zoom calls and presentation decks. Though there's a time and a place for those, but as far as an information resource, it led to hunting for things, trying to figure out where a document link was in the Slack, etc. So identify, there are tools to do this. That's one of the things. So uh, relying on Slack and Zoom, I think is um, problematic. Uh, finally, there was some odd scheduling. Uh, the week by week releases of information were problematic, I think, as I just said, but also the ordering of the uh, releases led to like for example later in the weekly schedule they covered things like um, minor participation uh, DEI policy and so on I think those things should be right up front uh, right so then you have mon and logos for example a lot of confusion over how to construct logos what things were allowed what were not <clears throat> there should be there should be right up front and there should be uh, easily identifiable resources. There were some issues with the naming of things and which directories they were in and tons of Slack discussion over, is this okay? Can I do this? Can I put this over here? So just ongoing, just intermingled with the general local lead channel. So a lot of discussion about how can we promote our event using NASA assets mixed with our own, you know, local flavor. Uh, these are things that should be out, you know, they should be brought up immediately when the event is starting and have a completely separate process for uh, consulting, maybe approval <clears throat> of, of these marketing assets since you are mixing brands, right? You're mixing the NASA Space Apps Challenge branding with your locality, which colors, which, which text. Can I mix my font with that font? Can I change this, that? These are questions that would just take, oh, you know, over and over. Same thing. So, and by the way, this, all the things I'm talking about here can apply to any project, but this project at scale with so many moving parts was a, a good learning experience. So, and again, not picking on individuals. This is what happens when tons of people, uh, th there's the elephant, uh, the blind people identifying an elephant problem, right? So everybody's doing their part, but not necessarily sharing information between. Um, if you want to get nerdy, the sensor fusion that is so essential in modern IOT and similar. <clears throat> so being able to take different inputs and put them together to make a more complete picture of something is I think lacking here. Uh, 
So I can zoom, just don't do it. So uh, as well, one of the weird things, I think, in my opinion, I think it was very strange that they, uh, they didn't want people to start working on the challenges until the hackathon itself, which is totally fair. That's, it's an easy rule. You know, don't, don't start the test until the test starts. Anybody who's gone to school knows that's, that's a thing. They had the previous year's challenges available for months. If people wanted to see the general tenor of the challenge, um, types and, you know, different difficulty levels and different areas of focus and expectations, you know, do I have to write an app? Is there hardware to build? Is there a a spreadsheet? Is there an animation? You know, all these, and you know, kudos for, again, for having that variety. Not everything was sitting with a laptop and building an app. Some, you know, some cool options. So like two weeks before, no, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was about two weeks before the actual hackathon, they released the challenges with, um, with enough detail so that people could sort of start getting, getting a, a head start on their projects. Now, <clears throat> I'm not accusing anybody of anyone, anything, but really, I think releasing that stuff the day before would have been more appropriate, not two weeks before. It just keeps people honest or to be, to be really clear, it, it not only provides a level playing field, but it also adds to the challenge, right? Now you have one day. You kind of have to pull your uh, your team together, your ideas. It promotes proactive discussion, especially when the event kicks off at 9 a.m. in your local time zone, right? You you have a little bit of time that you've had some, uh, so you've you've had time to select a project. That's one big one. If you've if you've actually taken the time in the weeks prior to look at the previous year's challenges, then you have an idea you know that, okay, we would like to work on something in this general area. And then the challenges, um, the challenges were published with their titles and, and like a summary, like an abstract, but it's when the resources were made available. Here's the data. Here's the, the, the full disclosure of each of the 30 challenges. There was so much time ahead of time. I would wonder if everyone was, was following the rules. So, uh, about starting on the day of the hackathon, October 7th, and I just think it, um, you know, people with more experience, they have a better head start. People with not enough experience, uh, maybe that helps them. I don't think it actually levels the playing field because I think <clears throat> you set expectations and you know an experienced team should be, you can say, judged differently. And by the way, this is one of the reasons I don't, I'm not a huge fan of judged hackathons. They're, they're tricky. I'm sure if people stay awake for a couple of days and then they feel like they lost, you know, if there's winners and losers, I think that does a disservice to the people who participated, but you know, the, the challenge of a potential prize, the, the mild competition, those are, those are appealing to some. So I'm not totally against it, but it is something to be aware of. <clears throat> so, so there you go. So the, um, the 2023 International Space Apps Challenge, a NASA event, global, uh, an indicator in some places of the vitality of an innovation culture. Uh, again, I'm going to have the location link in the show notes and a link to the top level website itself. They're they're both at the same website. the The value of something like this is important to the community itself, the locality. In the long term, it's interesting in the short term for the people who participate. 
I think it's vital also to recognize that participation. Some places do a better job. They do a better job of getting the word out ahead of time, which is um, sort of priming the pump for this recognition. I think some places do a great job during, like a like an exemplary job, exemplary, yeah, um, uh, evidenced by the fact that people were posting their story images on the Slack after in the stories channel and also in other channels, right? So why not? Why not post the same thing across the entire Slack? <clears throat> but, uh, you know, some, some places really sort of leaned into it heavily, and I think that's an indicator of the strength of their individual respective uh, innovation cultures in their localities and the virtual events, I'm sure were also an indication. That's a question of reach. It's a question of the motivation required to participate in something at a distance. Uh, it's something we hoped to enable here, but we only had the 12 people. We switched to a completely virtual event because having a venue implies having some sort of food and drink. And since we were completely without any form of sponsorship, it didn't really make sense to have 12 people stay in a room when they could just stay in their homes and or wherever they were collaborating and get a nap in their bed or on a comfortable piece of furniture. Uh, many venues, including the International uh, Innovation Center here in the downtown Vegas area, in downtown Vegas, not the area, uh, is not conducive at all to an all-night, you know, 38-hour, 59-minute hackathon there's really no comfortable way of, of taking a nap or, you know, it's really not ideal for a, an all-nighter hackathon. The all-nighter hackathon concept itself is tricky. Uh, it's something that you really have to sort of, uh, you, you need to have a, at least a small number of people who, I'll just say, get it, that they understand the nature of a lot of times people will look at you like you're crazy when you say that you're, oh, wait, I'm supposed to stay here for 35 hours or 48 hours or what? Like, no, you don't have to. But the clock is ticking the whole time. And so this really throws people. So without some momentum, without some familiarity that can be extended uh, you know, personally, like, oh, you want to be in my team? This is how it works. I've done this before. And that's why I always tell people I participated in so many hackathons uh, as a mentor. And again, we didn't, we didn't even have mentors, right? So, uh, when I was with Intel, I would travel around and interact with people during hackathons. I would stay up with them. So I, many times I was awake for, you know, 40 plus hours. Uh, I knew the Intel products, but I would help them with anything. So if they had a Raspberry Pi or an Arduino, uh, Uno, or our Edison, which was the more common thing to make an appearance or during the America's Greatest Maker Show was the Arduino 101, which was a Curie-based thing. <laughs> I think it got EOL'd pretty quickly. But the ability to help people get through, uh, I, I like to tell people, you should be working on your ideas, not our documentation. <laughs> so anytime the things that they are trying to use or accomplish are hindered by gaps in documentation or process or things that are confusing you're not enabling the hackathon you are testing their patience so this is something to pay particular attention to uh it's why i'm it's not i'm not gonna say i don't like them but it's why one-shot hackathons that are you know up show up on friday be done on sunday or show up saturday morning 
Uh, you really have to pay attention to make the experience positive enough so that people are interested in doing it again, but they don't feel like it was a waste of time because it was too easy, right? So you have to have just enough of a challenge so that it's a rewarding experience, even if they fail and they will fail. There will be people that don't finish. They don't submit a project that they're happy with. The important part is that they enjoyed the journey. The journey is part of the gift. If they can enjoy the process, they may want to do it again. And that's how you build up that part of your innovation culture. So I think reflecting on this event, this NASA International Space Apps Challenge event, which as the largest hackathon in the world, is an interesting way of comparing across the globe different innovation cultures and which ones have turnout. Now, the turnout itself, uh, not totally useful, right? Signups, registrations for an event are even less useful. People that turn out are fine. It's difficult to say, and it's, you know, <clears throat> it wouldn't be really proper to publish this information, but like how many people were there for the first time, how many people there uh, had participated in the previous year, how many people participate in other events. So that would give you sort of a demographic to examine per locality, which I think would be really useful when you are not necessarily comparing in a competitive fashion, but hoping to learn what goes into a strong, vibrant innovation culture, which leads to, which can be, which starts with participation and the village, it takes a village, right? So if you have participation and you have a proactive, engaged, interested uh, community, small C community of collaborators, sponsors, mentors, education, you know, all these people that, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to stay away for 40 hours to participate in the hackathon to participate in the hackathon, right? You can, you can announce things. You can help get the word out. You can sponsor some food and drink. You can sponsor t-shirts, stickers. You can offer prizes. You can show appreciation and recognition. You can elevate the people who do take the time. You can recognize the people who <clears throat> submit projects and whether or not they win a prize. Make, um, you know, here in Vegas, make participation in events like this just as interesting as people who, by the way, <laughs> get headlines for winning at uh, in the casinos. If you win $100,000 or a million dollars on a slot machine, you're getting in the newspaper. If you participate in the largest hackathon in the world and you win something there, you probably won't get mentioned here in Vegas. So it's a gap to close. It's something that we're working on. That's one of the reasons Innovate for Vegas Foundation exists. It's why we're not a software company. We are a community elevation foundation we have our work cut out for us and uh, your support, starting with listening to episodes of our audio program, as you have here, is part of closing that gap that you are interested enough to do this is a good start. You can hear my voice is already giving up, but I am not. I thank you for listening. Have a good end of the 2023 year of challenges and uh, let us hope 2024 is a great year for local innovation by local innovators. And that's what we're here for. Thank you. Until next week.